This is the Tech Arts Podcast, where we talk about tech, leadership, and all things that concern church audio, video, and lighting. Welcome to the Tech Arts Podcast. My name is DL. We are so glad to have you along for the ride. Today, we will conclude our podcast on rock and lighting with Matt Mills. We talk about MIDI, haze, lighting volunteers, and more. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Earthworks Audio. We are so happy to have one of the premier microphone makers on board and sponsoring the Tech Arts Podcast. Matter of fact, they sent me a couple of mics to show you guys. Check out the Icon Studio Quality Podcast mic. I have a picture of it right here behind me. I was going to use it today, but it's so slick looking. I wanted to kind of show you what it comes in. It comes in this box really nice box. And then look at that. Look at that. That microphone's beautiful. Let me, let me get it out here. The icon podcast microphone, nice silver microphone. We're going to have it right here next time so that we can be talking on it and hear the quality of it comes with a mount for you. Um, they also send this microphone with a few other things. Um, I got the, well, before I show you that, it's got a volume control right here. It's got a USB input. It, you can get the version with an XLR. It's also got a headphone jack on the back of it. They also send it, like I was saying a minute ago, um, with some other things like the uh, this uh, mount. So you don't have to have a fancy one like I have. You can just get this right out of the box and get it mounted. Uh, inside the box is all the cabling that you need to plug it up. It's just they take care of you from start to finish. So they sent me that. They also sent me the SR. You can kind of hear it crumpling as I get it out of the box. The SR3117 microphone head. Now, this is for sure. They make a wired version. I believe it's the SR117. But the 3117 is for sure. They're coming out with the Sennheiser version very shortly. We're going to be giving this away to a local church here in Dallas, Texas. They're going to test it out. Uh, they get to keep it, but they're going to test it out, see what it sounds like, and report back. All of the reviews that have been coming back on this microphone is that it sounds amazing and that everybody needs to have it in their tool kit. It's uh, just slick, nice looking head for your microphone. The price point is amazing too. Go to earthworksaudio.com. That's earthworksaudio.com and check them out. They are a new sponsor of the Tech Arts Podcast. We're so glad to have them on board. We'll have that podcast microphone hooked up and in use next time we do the Tech Arts Podcast. Speaking of the Tech Arts Podcast, make sure you like and subscribe. If you like and subscribe, you will get notified first when we drop a new episode on YouTube or when a new episode comes out on any of our podcast outlets. I think we've gone up like 2,000 subscribers on YouTube here in the last few months. And it's, it's just important because you will then get firsthand notification of when uh, the podcast comes out. And when we give, do giveaways of different things, you will be notified first so that you can get in on that right away. So before we jump into part two of Rock and Lighting with Matt Mills, I want to share a cool church tech tip with you. It's called Notes Pro. The Tech Arts Podcast reached out to Notes Pro, and they were kind enough to have someone join us today to tell us more about this product. Please welcome to the Tech Arts Podcast, the founder of Notes Pro, Eric Stoutenberg. Hey, Eric. 
Hey, David, great to be here. Eric, thanks for coming on to the Tech Arts Podcast. Before we get to your product, tell us a little bit about yourself. Totally, yeah. I am from California. I've been involved in church in various capacities for a long time, everything from worship intern to leading an IT team at, at Bayside Church in Northern California. So why Notes Pro? How did it come about and uh, how did you get involved? It was actually an idea of a friend of mine. Uh, we were both working together um, at Bayside Church in California. And we, at the time, were moving away from our Subsplash app. I love Subsplash. They're a great platform. Uh, but we were just going a different direction, which meant that we needed to find a new Notes solution. And we sort of found that um, all of the Notes um platforms and things like that kind of seemed like a bit of an afterthought tacked on to different platforms. Um, and so we wanted to see if we could make something a little better and sort of purpose build something to make sermon notes and all of that different content as, as stream, streamlined as possible and, and as effective as possible for um, church staff. So you're kind of hinting at it there, but tell us a little bit more about what Notes Pro is and how it helps churches. Absolutely. Yeah. So we like to say it's the best way to share note pages with your people. So thinking sermon notes, small group curriculum, classes, all those kind of things, um, you know, growth track, you know, just a way to really create engaging and um, streamlined note pages to share with people with a bunch of different features to help them grow. So we kind of like to use three steps. Number one is create. Number two is share. Number three is grow. So create your note pages, share them with your people, and help them grow with the platform. That's awesome, man. I'm excited to see more of this product. Are we able to demo it here? Absolutely, yeah. We can hop on into the product. So here's my screen. We can see that we're on the homepage here of Notes Pro, and we've got a couple uh, of things to look at. Here is where you'll see all of the live notes that are being currently scheduled for your account, along with um, your sort of note views over time. Man, I want to make a comment here. This is very clean. I like the layout of this. Very easy to read. Very clean. I, I mean, I'm 10 seconds in, and I feel like I already understand what I'm looking at. So kudos on that, man. A very clean layout. Really appreciate it. That, that means a lot. As a developer, I try my best to make the, the good designs, but sometimes it doesn't come naturally. So I really appreciate that. Um, awesome. Yeah. So the homepage is pretty simple, but I think we can go ahead and dive into the note editor. That's kind of where everything starts with that create step. So here is our demo note that I've created and it's pretty simple, but maybe what you would find at a typical, um, you know, sermon outline type, um, note. So it's, we really wanted to make this as simple as possible. It's the sort of the, the premise here with the note editor, because a lot of other tools you have to enter, HTML code or something like that to get it to look exactly how you want. But we wanted to make it as simple as possible. So you can come in here and type new, new, you know, context Bible verses. If you wanted to add a fill in here, all you have to do is type fill in. And then you've got a new fill in the blank there with, with options to enter an answer and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of the, the short version of the note editor here. A couple other call outs are banner images obviously you can upload your own or we integrate with um, unsplash 
for, I, I believe they have actually millions of stock photos. So you'll never have to, um, you know, be without a band average here. Wow. That, that's pretty cool. I know a lot of churches struggle with that right there. Just finding content uh, to put in their different places. And then you've provided it for them right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Integration is, is the name of the game. Super helpful. So um, last thing here is just live preview. That's what our notes are going to look like um, when your people see it on their phones. So pretty straightforward here. We'll come back to this analytics tab at the end. But the next step is that share step. That's where the schedule comes in. So you can see here, I have already came in here and scheduled a few notes. Um, but you will, it's super easy. Just come in here, pop in a, a new note. You can schedule it for however long you want, and it'll be live at your account link. So schedule a tab, very simple, straightforward. Now we can go ahead and dive in to our account. So if I copy my account link here, it will pop me right in to all of the live notes that are um, scheduled for my account. So this is the link you'd share with your people, and they'd always be able to find the current week's note. You don't have to copy and paste new links to your website every week, that kind of thing. So with that being said, I'll go ahead and dive into one of these note pages. I've actually pulled it up on a sort of mock iPhone here, since this is probably what your people will see. So there's a few things to call out. I've already filled out the note, but this is sort of what your people will see. Once they're done filling their notes out, they can email it to themselves or just download it to, and save for later. Um, so that's the core note feature. The word notes part really starts to come alive is with this login feature up here. So you can see I'm logged in as John and it's actually going to, um, oops, didn't mean to do that, save my fill in the blanks uh, when I come back later. So as I take notes over time, I'll be able to build up a sort of list of my past notes so they don't disappear. I'll be able to come back to them anytime I want and really build up that sort of, you know, stockpile of notes so they don't just sort of go in the trash on the way out of the service or, you know, I forget about them over time. So during during the week, if you're wanting to kind of look back at what you did or uh, something triggers you uh, in a good way, biblically triggers you uh, to to look back, it's all stored right there, kind of a profile-driven uh, notes system so that you can see what you um, what you were thinking when the pastor was talking and what you what you notated there. Is that is that how it works? Exactly. Yeah, we really want to sort of help you make the, these note pages your own and be able to come back and reference them over time. Um, that actually leads nicely into sort of some of the future plans we have and also some features that are currently in beta. Um, one of those is follow-ups. So I mentioned earlier um, being able to follow up with people throughout the week. The goal is um, that when someone fills out these notes and they send an email to themselves or they're logged in via their profile, you can, you can set up different application points or questions, that kind of thing, to be sent out during the week after they filled out the note. And those will all be stored on their profile as well. Um, so that's, that's kind of the note page here. One last thing to call out, this is kind of um, another integration point, is we integrate with Rock RMS. So if your church uses Rock, you can have your people sign in with their Rock account. 
Um, so they don't have to create a new account. If they're used to logging into your church's rock, they can just sign in right there with the same account. It works on Android or all mobile phones. Um, this was just displaying the Apple uh, phone, but it also works on website as well. Correct. Yep. Yeah. It works anywhere that has a web browser. So your laptop, your iPad, any Android phones or tablets, it'll work just the same everywhere. So that is kind of another plus. They don't need to download a new app um, for this. They can just use their web browser like they would any other website. Yeah, I think that's good to know. Um, You know, I've run into so many different softwares or programs where it may work on Apple, but doesn't work on Android, or it may work on really well on the web. But it looks like this, what you just showed me is kind of very fluid between the different um, platforms. Absolutely. Yeah, we really tried to make it as easy as possible with all of those touch points. So the last thing I'll jump into is some of those analytics. Um, And this is a piece of the platform that we really want to expand in the future as well. So Here is that note I was just looking at, and here is um, our person, John, who was signed in and and took notes today. So all of your people, if they're signed in, you'll see them show up here. And again, our Rock integration, you'll be able to jump over to Rock to view them in that platform. And we'll also send check-in data over to Rock as well um, if your church uses Rock. So yeah, a lot of things we want to do here on this analytics tab. it is uh, a work in progress for sure, and a lot more great features come in here. Um, so we do have the Rock integration, and then Planning Center is coming soon, and a few other platforms as well. So um, that's kind of the end-to-end uh, story of Notes Pro here. So um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that was a good overview, and uh, your church would be able to find some value out of it. Eric, man, that is awesome. So how do people get in touch with you? I can see everybody wanting this product. I, When I worked for a big mega church, I was always trying to figure out how to integrate a little bit better notes system. And this, this seems to check a lot of the boxes. So how do people get in touch with you and order this product? You can head to notespro.church slash podcast to get in touch. There's a little box you can fill in your email, or you can just email me directly at eric, E-R-I-C, at notespro.church. And I hear through the grapevine that you may be offering an early adopter discount. Everybody likes some free stuff. Are you giving anything away? Totally, absolutely. So we are sort of in the building stages of Notes Pro, and we love feedback. We want to really just help the church. And so we are currently offering 50% off to any the first 50 people who sign up uh, just to become an early adopter and help grow and shape the platform as we build. So there's still a few spots left, but it's kind of filling up fast. So head over to notespro.church to um, sign up today and take advantage of that discount. So if you're listening or watching us, make sure you go to notespro.church slash podcast and check out this product today. So that's notespro.church slash podcast. Your church will benefit from this. So go check them out today. Eric, thanks for coming on and talking to us about this amazing tool with our audience. Thanks so much for having me, David. This was great. It's almost time for part two of our chat with Matt Mills on lighting. If you missed part one of Rock and Lighting with Matt Mills, you want to go to techartspodcast.com to check it out. In today's episode entitled Part Two, Rock and Lighting with Matt Mills, We talk about Haze and how you should use it, 
plus what type of hazer you should use, and what is an important trait to look for in a lighting volunteer. Plus, we talk MIDI and how you can use it to better your church services. All of that is coming up right after these messages from our sponsors. Hang on. Thank you for listening to the Tech Arts Podcast. Be sure to tell all your friends about us. Give them the website techartspodcast.com to find out more. More great content is coming up right after this. Our main sponsor is Digital Great Commission Ministries. Whether you need help building a team, finding the right gear, or just better understanding the church tech world, DGCM is here for you. Because they are a 501c3 donor-sponsored organization, they come to your church for free and do an assessment of your tech, visitor engagement, and online streaming. Plus, we give away free gear. Be sure to go to audiovideolighting.com and register your email today. This will sign you up for all of the free giveaways and give you first access to everything we offer for free. If you want free resources, training, or consulting, contact Digital Great Commission Ministries today by going to audiovideolighting.com. That's audiovideolighting.com. Welcome back to the Tech Arts Podcast. It's time for part two of Rockin' Lighting with Matt Mills. We come in on a conversation with Matt continuing to talk about MIDI and how he has used it to simplify his lighting designs and shows. Let's join in to part two of Rockin' Lighting with Matt Mills right now. Then, then the other cool thing I did with, with MIDI, which actually got a, a write-up on this, this is a few years ago on, on the American Idol guy, Daughtry. Uh, he actually does play the same show every night. Uh, and I got tired of calling follow spots and I got bored. So I pre-recorded all my follow spot cues into QLab. And then I assigned those a MIDI notes. And from the lighting console, I, I would tell, I would tell the grand MA in my cue stack, fire MIDI note three at a certain time. And it would, it would then have my recording go out of my Mac playing QLab into the, the base station of ClearCom up to the spot ops, and it would just be a recording of me saying, stand by all spots to go to frame three. And then my next cue, I'd trigger the, the next note, and it would say, and all spots go, frame three. And I, I got to the point to where I never even had to talk to the follow spots unless something went wrong. That is so awesome. I could see that being used. You know, a church may not use a follow spot, but I could see that being used for a church that needs to call cues to multiple volunteers, but say they only have, you know, a front of house, uh, you know, engineer and a and a lighting uh, guy that's on staff, or that those are their lead volunteers. They could program their cues on the lighting console, or even on the front of house console. You could probably trigger it to fire. But at least your lighting console is you're firing the cues and it's telling the cue to the pro presenter operator or to the video director or giving them cues of what's coming next. That's a that's a pretty cool setup. And you said that you got a write up on that. Yeah, uh, I, I want to say in uh, PLSN, Vicky Vicky Claiborne gave me a write up on that. So being lazy does pay off. It does. And and whenever we went to Europe and we were going through Germany, I had our German liaison re-record the spot cues for me in German. <laughs> yeah, well, 
<laughs> I don't know if that's lazy. That's smart right there. <laughs> that is, that's pretty smart. That's pretty cool, man. Hey, so I'm a church. I want to make it look big. Like, what do I do? Um, I know at, at one of the facilities I worked at, it was a 4,000 seat building. And one of the things you did is you came in and did these like on the steps, you had lights and fingers just shooting up into the air. And I thought, oh my, that just took our rig with only, I think, eight lights and made it look three times as big. So I'm just curious, like, what's your advice for a church who's saying, hey, you know, obviously everything's budget, right? Budget, budget, budget. Let's set that aside for a second. What is the one or two things you could do to make that rig look huge? So, yeah, you know, just like you said, that's an easy trick. You know, you, you get some, uh, we call them beam fixtures, but, you know, Sharpies, platinum beams. Uh, you know, you, you just put them kind of a little bit outside, not too far outside, but just far enough to where, you know, they're not going to hit anybody because they're pretty hot. And then just, you know, do different shapes with them. You know, expand, you know, what everybody sees, kind of draw their attention to the big picture instead of just, you know, the let's just say the smaller stage, you know, you can, you can really spread out a room that way. And it's a, you know, it's, it's a pretty easy trick to do. I, I, I tell people to be aware of the cameras too. You know, everybody's streaming cameras now and you have these lights uh, that are all focused at the audience or the stage. Be aware of the cameras. So these lights that may be fingers shooting up or lights that may be shooting at the wall, I have intentionally, I think you and I spent 15 minutes or 20 minutes during one of the shows you were on with me, where I had them put a camera, like the wide shot, on the screen for you, and you would actually see where your lights would would go through the camera, where the lights that were shooting up would, would actually trigger and lens flare the camera, because it made it look bigger. And I think that's something that a lot of people forget, especially now in the the age of everybody streaming. Um, But how does video um, play into it for you? I know when we were doing the pre-interview, I was looking at the Motley Crue uh, video and I thought, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that the lighting for that concert looked so well on video. And then, then you told me, hey, that was that was for that one show. You kind of kind of talked it through, but obviously you made some adjustments. So help the audience understand what is necessary to help it look good for video. Well, the first thing I like to do is I, I like to get a monitor at front of house so I can see what the cameras are seeing. And then I can set levels. You know, what, what I may think looks good, you know, in the church or at the stage or wherever it may be, whenever you turn on that camera and turn on that monitor, it's going to be night and day difference. And you're you're going to either have to pump it up or or bring it down some. Uh, I mean, if you have to bring it down too much, though, you may have to talk with your shader and try to find a compromise to where you can get the the people in the room are actually going to see the performers well, and it's also going to translate to video. And it's it's definitely a a working relationship between the shader and the LD. That's for sure. Making it look big in the room, making it, you know, video plays into that. Um, But I think Hayes does too. Uh, Is it necessary? I mean, I have my opinion, but I'm going to ask you, is Hayes necessary to have effective lighting? I feel it is. Uh, I've kind of, 
I've been all over the place with haze and smoke throughout the years, and and now I've kind of settled to where I don't want to put clouds on stage anymore, unless we're calling for like a low fog look or something like that. But I want just enough haze to be in the air that you can't really see it, like when the house lights are on, but you can see the beams of my lights once the house lights go off. And it's, you know, it's kind of tricky to to get that, you know, in a different arena every day because everybody has a different HVAC system and you're fighting that constantly. But, uh, you know, at, at a permanent install like a church or whatever, you, you should be able to fine tune that because, you know, it would also look a little funny walking into a Sunday service and it's the whole room is cloudy. <laughs> it's not exactly what you would expect a church to look like, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I you know, I think you hit the nail on the head here. There's so many churches that they they fight so hard for haze and they they get their moment and they turn it on and just blast the stage with smoke. You literally see billows of smoke coming out from behind uh, the worship uh, team. And the pastor's like, no, 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 stop. I don't want that. And so there is a difference between haze, smoke, and low fog. To me, they're kind of three different things. Smoke is a billow, a burst, something that you see coming at you in a, in a cloud. Low fog is obviously the fog that's on the ground. Haze is exactly what you just described. It's a particle in the air that allows your light to see a beam, for your eye to see the beam of the light. And like you said, you like to have just enough haze for you to be able to see that beam, but not enough haze in the room that it feels like smoke. And I think a lot of churches make that mistake. Here's Matt, who does big-time concerts all over the world for the biggest artists you can think of, and he's saying as little haze as possible, just enough to see the beam. And then I walk into churches, and they say we want haze, and it's like this tons of smoke going everywhere. And I'm like, I don't think that adds to the event. So I think that was a, that was a great statement that you made in terms of of how much a haze you should do in the room. But Matt, that's sometimes hard to achieve. People are thinking right now, they're like, well, I mean, with our hazer, we turn it on, it just blows smoke. So help the audience know there's probably a few hazers out there, but what, what's your favorite hazer to accomplish that? I still like the DF-50. It's been around for a while. Uh, the main problem with the DF-50 is it, is it makes oil slick, you know? So you kind of need to sit it in a pan, maybe have a towel that you're going to sacrifice and just leave in there. It, it'll definitely make, you know, it'll spit a little, I guess it's mineral oil or something of that nature. You know, it'll spit that a bit. And uh, so you need to be conscious of that, you know, especially if, if you're trying to sit it on stage, you know, where people are going to be walking. But for, for a DF-50, I'll typically turn it opposite of the stage and have a fan behind it and just let it fill the room and let the air conditioning kick it around. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll do its job. You know, it's amazing to me, Matt, how many people don't even know what a DF-50 is. Uh, there's so many uh, churches that I visit that when I say DF-50, they're like, what is that? I'm like, it is literally, hands down, the best hazer when it comes to what the look is. Now, like you said, it's oil-based, and so there's some other things that you have to deal with. Uh, with the DF-50. I'm going to ask you if there's any other hazers out there that, that you like as well. But concerning the DF-50, um, I would run the DF-50 pre-service and then into song one. And most churches run about a 20 to 30 minute uh, worship set, but I'd run it into song one and then turn it off. 
And it would hang for 15 to 20 minutes where it wasn't blowing anything or putting anything in the atmosphere. And by the time I got to the pastor's segment, uh, it had dissipated, uh, it had gone down. We'll use that word. I tried to use a big word. I'm not good with big <laughs> words. We'll just say it had gone down enough. It had left the room enough that the pastor felt comfortable too. And it didn't feel like a bar scene to him. Sure. And he felt really comfortable with where the lights were at and what he was seeing in the room in terms of haze. So look up the DF50, hands down, still the best hazer out there for doing that and the fact that it hangs for so long, which is the oil piece of it. Again, there's some things you have to kind of deal with with that, um, but it's a great hazer. Um, I, I like it. Obviously, Matt recommends it, so so check it out. A lot of people don't know about the DF-50. I feel like I just did an advertisement for the hmm. DF-50. And, and a little side note for DF-50 is their fluid, I believe, is one of the first, I don't think they're the only anymore, but they were one of the first ones to actually be approved by Actors Equity for use on Broadway, meaning that they approved it to be safe for the performers singing and whatnot, because, you know, performers can be funny and the slightest little thing goes wrong, they're going to blame it on something else. So, and that's typically the, the one, oh, this the haze that's causing it. Right. Yeah. As soon as you say oil-based, they were like, oh, that's what's, that's what's causing me to not hit, not hit that note. Like, yeah. No, you need to practice more. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> that's a whole nother subject. <laughs> but is there any other hazers out there? I know the DF-50, there's some negatives to it. It can be a little noisy. It's got oil uh, in it. Is there any other hazers out there that you would recommend that you've worked with? I like the Radiance Hazer. It's, it's good. It's been around for a while, and it's uh, you know tried and true, and you can control it via DMX. So it's uh, And you have different levels. It can kind of act as a fogger if you really wanted it to, but, uh, you know, it's it's... You can control it via DMX and dial it back or make it thicker if you want, however, however you like it. And it's, uh, I've used that quite a bit, you know, whenever I couldn't get a hold of a DF-50 or if, you know, the, the rental house didn't even stock DF-50s if that's what they went with instead. All right, man, I'm going to change gears here on you a little bit. When you're looking to hire a lighting op, what should they be looking for? Well, you want to find somebody that's passionate about it, somebody that's not just doing it as a as a job, you know, until they figure out what they want to do or whatever. Uh, have somebody that's uh, that's creative, that's not afraid to, to you know, once they get comfortable with the show and if, if, it, if something comes up where maybe a, a new song has to be programmed or, or just changes to a song, uh, they're not afraid to do that and, and they have the skills to do that. Would you say if you're a church and you're saying, hey, we just use volunteers, I mean, What's the important traits to look for in a volunteer? Obviously, the volunteer is not going to probably not going to make lighting their whole career. So what would you look for in terms of uh, a volunteer that wants to run lights? Uh, I would look for somebody that's intrigued by it. Somebody that's, that's kind of like a cool new technology that they want to get their head around and you know mess with it, that they, that they enjoy, you know, being able to be creative with it. I mean, that's that's kind of how I got started, you know, just. I started poking at lights. I'm like, hey, this is fun. I like this. I had no idea that it was a potential career for me. Yeah, the word you used there was creative. Uh, it, this is a creative atmosphere. I, I like to say that, you know, mixing on a console, you know, is an instrument of worship. 
I think the lighting board is the same thing. It's an instrument. It's a part of the band. It's how you're able to accentuate what they're doing on the platform. We've all been to the shows where the lights are just hitting the beat and, you know, kind of landing right where they're supposed to be. And it just adds so much to what the the band, the worship team is doing uh, on the platform, as opposed to those where the lights are just boop and they just turn on and then boop. They do the second song. You know, it just, being creative in the skill set of lighting is something I think you should look for. Now, what that means is there's going to be more mistakes. Uh, creative people tend to push the envelope a little bit. And so you'll have to set boundaries of the, for the creativity. You don't want it to be, you know, just fly off the the hinge here and, and, and be super creative all the time. You got to have some boundaries, but you want to look for that person who is creative. I think that was the key word there. So with that said, though, there are some certain skill sets that they need, Matt. So we, it can't just all be on creativity. So what are the skills uh, to be in a good lighting op? What has made you a great lighting op? Well, something that I learned early on uh, before I was able to, you know, just be 99% behind the desk. Uh, I was also a tech fixing lights and I was setting them up and, you know, kind of one man band, you know, on the lighting side of things on several shows. And uh, it helped me learn the inner workings of how these lights actually work and and how to program it to where I'm not destroying these lights as well. You know, I, I learned the limitations of them because uh, everybody these days, they, they have a visualizer that they use and the visualizer will show you know, a red and white chase going, you know, super fast. Well, in reality, you know, if you have, let's just say a Viper, you know, it's not going to do that chase as fast as your visualizer showing. And some people have a hard time dealing with that, you know, grasping that. So you, it helped me learn the limitations of the lights. Therefore, it also helped me pick the lights that I needed for different shows as to what I plan on doing with them. And it, you know, Kept, kept me from destroying the light. So I always had lights working instead of half of a rig. Yeah, I think you're you're unique in that you have done both design and board op. Uh, I don't think everybody has both those skill sets. So, uh, you know, I'm a church. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, hire a team, bring in a team, build a team. Um, help them understand what's the difference between a designer and a board op. I mean, I know you can do both. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of cases, designers aren't good at board op. Board ops aren't good at designers. So kind of help us understand the difference. So a designer is essentially somebody that will uh, do a, a lighting design with some renderings and present it to the client and say, here's what I think you should do for your space, your artist, your tour, whatever it may be. And, you know, they'll probably, or nine times out of ten, they'll sit in through pre-production during programming and all that and, most of the time they'll say, hey, for this song, I'd like it to look like this, like that. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll they'll just trust their programmer to to get the feel of things and do it and come out and give them notes if, if needed. And then a, a board op would essentially be somebody that takes the designer's show on tour or run it weekly in the church as to how the designer wants it to be portrayed. Yeah, and I think... If you're in the church atmosphere, most of the time you need a board op. You need somebody to operate it. 
But I think the piece that gets missed is uh, the design piece. And maybe the integrator comes in and they do the design and hand it off to you. But there is a difference between the design and the board operations side of it. And you can design something that helps your board operators, or you can design something that hurts your board operators as well. And so I think as a church, if you're thinking, I want to take our lighting to the next level, bringing in somebody who helps you design that is is key. Uh, it's going to help put the lights in the right place, work with the systems that you have, and set your volunteers who end up being your board ops most of the time, set them up for success. Uh, so just kind of keep that in mind when you're thinking about different things, especially if you're going to hire somebody you know, and they say, hey, I do mostly lighting design, um, then they may not be as good at board op as, as what you may need down the road. Uh, so I think that was a good clarification, Matt, of, of what the difference is between both. Now, you do both. I do. Why, what, make, what makes you unique there, and why do you think that is uh, a better way of doing things? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it's better or worse. It's just how I like to do stuff because I truly enjoy the programming of the console. I, one of my favorite things is whenever, whenever, whenever I've got a design going for a tour and we've gone back and forth, budget, and different renderings, trying to figure out what we're going to have, what we're going to bring in. And then after that very first load in, and then at about 11 o'clock at night, everybody's gone. It's my time. I get behind the console, fixture 101 through 130 at full, then I see it come to life in reality instead of just looking at it on a visualizer, which visualizers help me out a lot, but they're, you know, I don't care what you say, no visualizer is 100% accurate. There's going to be, you know, there's there's a bunch of great visualizers out there, but they're, they're not going to be the same as an exact rig, but it's going to help you out a lot, though. Now, you just used a word visualizer that a lot of people went, hmm, what is he talking about? <clears throat> what is a visualizer? And, and tell us how it helps, uh, helps the lighting uh, understand what they're about to do. So a visualizer is essentially a, a 3D version of your lighting rig in a program on your computer that you will link your lighting console to, and you can control those lights as if they were your actual lighting rig hanging in an arena or at the church or whatever, and you can, you can get a lot of work done ahead of time which is, they've been very helpful. You know, I've programmed many a tours in, in this office at my own leisure. And then whenever we have our two, three days or whatever of actual pre-production in an arena, then I can go in there and I'll have, I'll be so far ahead. And then I can really just finesse the show from there. A lot of churches, they go into their Easter production or their Christmas production and they spend hours and hours and hours, I'm talking hundreds of hours programming in the room and spend tons of money renting stuff for multiple weeks when if they would have thrown it into a visualizer, they could have uh, pre-programmed a lot of what they did. So I like to suggest to churches, you know, get get familiar with visualizers, especially for your big productions. Now, your week-to-week services, maybe you don't need it. Um, but for your big productions, it can it can very much help speed things up and kind of get things to where they need to be. So when the gear comes in, you can maybe save a few days off of the rentals. So visualizers are are a big deal. Um, Matt, you know, talking about computers and visualizers and all that, 
I think I know the answer to this, but do you do you do a lot of work with um, with video playback? I do. I uh, I used to own a lot of Catalyst Media servers, and uh, I eventually sold those off once I sat through a D3 class and realized, okay, I'm not going to be a video guy. I'm going to be a lighting guy because D3 is, or I guess disguise, is just next level. Does amazing stuff. So at that point, I uh, sold off my Catalyst, took that money, bought some Follow Me systems, and it's kind of where I am now. But yeah, I. I trigger most of my shows, you know, the video for most of my shows from the lighting console. Yeah. And essentially, you know, talk us through what is the best setup for a church that wants to incorporate video in their lighting uh, setup. How would you recommend that that be done? And I'm talking like, you know, a lot of most churches, they put a big screen in the middle uh, and it's behind the band and they're, they've got all these different images going on. Like, What's the what do you recommend in terms of setting that up uh, with the video servers and and how that should work? Well, what I've always done because I don't know the video side of things, uh, I know enough to to have a conversation with the the video team. Uh, you know, what I would normally do, I would tell them, okay, I'm going to be controlling this media server right here. We would typically come out of the media server into an image pro nine times out of ten, and then they would take it from there. And that would allow me to, to trigger the, the video as needed. And then, then they could also blend in whatever they wanted to. They could blend in, you know, live shots. Uh, I've been in churches before that like to throw up the lyrics for the song on there. Uh, things like that. Uh, I totally agree with you. You have your lighting console in your, in your server with the lighting console that the console is controlling. Mm-hmm. So you have full control over loading whatever video images you need for the background right there. Then you output that and send it to the video team, and then they send it to the wall. Correct. Because then the video team can choose when it goes to the wall, when it comes off the wall. Like Matt said, they can put lyrics over it. Um, if there's an issue or a problem, they can they can take it off of what you're sending them. Uh, it allows also for more creativity because your lighting person is in their bubble and they can create what they feel like this song should look like. And then the video team can also add to the creativity of the lighting. So a lot of churches will put that video server where it's not in control of lighting, it's being manually triggered by ProPresenter or something along those lines. I think that just makes it a lot more difficult uh, for the team. Instead of having the lighting person um, load that or whoever's over the lighting load it and kind of run those video servers from the lighting piece and from the lighting console, I think that's uh, the best way to do it. So, Matt, I'm going to put you on the spot, man. All right. What show is your favorite? I know you've done a ton, but tell me what show is your favorite. That I've done or that I've seen? That you've done. Uh, I really enjoyed doing, you know, which quote unquote, the final Motley Crue tour in 2014 and 2015, because growing up, I was a heavy metal kid and I very much enjoyed Motley Crue and, you know, becoming friends with them and doing their supposed to be final tour, which ended up not being true, uh, was <laughs> pretty cool for me, you know, but uh, I've been very fortunate. I've had a lot of great tours and a lot of very cool people to work with. I, I haven't had too many negative experiences. And, uh, you know, there's always that 
you know, feeling out period where, you know, I'm the new guy there and they're trying to figure out, you know, if I know what the heck I'm doing. And then once they get comfortable with me, then, you know, I can kind of get a bit more creative and have fun with it. And, uh, you know, I've, I've just been very lucky to have, you know, a lot of great artists that I've worked with. So it's, it's hard to hone into just one because they've, they've all had great moments. Yeah, I... I really enjoyed uh, the Three Doors Down one that I went and saw. I think it was in Orlando um, when they came through. Uh, I enjoyed that show for a, probably a different reason. I wouldn't say it had the best of everything, but I felt like they did an amazing job with the budget that they had. I remember on the video side of things, I think they only had two or three cameras, uh, and and I I could have sworn they had seven or eight. The way they shot it and how quick the camera guys were made it feel so much bigger. And then even on the lighting side, I, I thought what you did for the budget they gave you and what you had, uh, it just looked like a really big show. Of course, Motley Crue and the Pyro. Um, that, I, I mean, at one point I was like, is there a band on the platform? <laughs> like, I'm a, I love blowing things up. But this was intense. I remember that, you know, you, there was a bunch of pyro going off. And I remember thinking, wow, that's amazing. And you looked over at me and said, you haven't seen anything yet. Yeah. <laughs> yet. <laughs> a few songs later, I was like, there's a guy singing up there, but it's all flames. <laughs> so I got to say, in terms of pyro, Motley Crue, that was definitely the, the best one, the one that you brought me to, which I, I, I think that was the 2014, 2015 yeah. uh, tour. Um, that was definitely the best uh, in terms of pyro. What about overall? What's your favorite show? Not just the ones you've done. What's what's your favorite show and why? Uh, I recently went and saw the Roger Waters tour, and that was really impressive. It was more of a video show than a lighting show, but it was it was quite amazing. Uh, hmm. Let's see. I think of you know any. I, actually, last year at Welcome to Rockville. I was actually with two artists. I, I did uh, Corn on Friday night, and then uh, Perry Farrell and Jane's Addiction, Porno for Pyros, on Sunday. And closing it out was Nine Inch Nails on Sunday night. And you know they only had probably half their rig in there. And I, you know, I stuck around, watched it. And there were times that I'm like, why am I even doing lighting anymore? What, what, you know, it just blew me away. Like the, it was so dead on, which all Nine Inch Nails shows are, but it was just amazing. And I, I knew it wasn't their normal touring rig. It was just a couple trusses and some of the ground stuff they had. And it was, it was incredible. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think that says there's a lesson there. And the lesson is good people can do a lot with little lights. Don't let the accountants know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get no budget. That's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think churches fall into this trap where, where they think, you know, hey, I've got to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars in order to have, um, you know, we'll call it a show, but in order to have a good service with good lighting. I, I don't think that's the case. I think you do, there are some certain things that you need and that's going to cost money. You know, a console, I think you need the ability to do some candy. You need to be able to do some, some things behind the artists that make the platform look big. Um, you need key lights for video. You need backlights. So there's some things that you that are musts, right? And that's going to cost money. But at the end of the day, it's the artist behind the console who's either programming it or operating it that's going to make that show or that service look feel look and feel big 
and um, really attached to the audience as it's musically being portrayed through lighting uh, and the sound as they're tied uh, together. So I think I think you hit something there that's that's really key, and and with your with the nine inch nails um, uh, comment, and that is if you know the material, and you may not have the biggest rig in the world, but you have time to work with the material and program it to a way uh, that is artistically touching what the material is trying to say. You don't need a ton of money and a ton of lights to make your show and your service feel big. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I've certainly, you know, had some smaller budget shows where I've, you know, planned, you know, for certain lights due to bang for the buck. Uh, like perfect example of that three doors down tour i believe you saw it uh you know three doors down they had a decent budget but it wasn't anything crazy uh but i was able to get more bang for the buck out of it because i had a uh a moving truss system and I, every three or four songs i would completely reconfigure the rig yeah i mean simple things like that i say simple moving yeah, trust system know, probably yeah. not simple um but being able to uh, do different things with your lighting rig is gonna is gonna make it feel big. Uh, so Matt, I know I know you do this for a living. I know that you work for churches, you work for secular organizations. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Uh, you know, you could go to our website, uh, touchlx.com. That's our uh, that's our design firm. I'm partnered with two other people in there. And uh, then you can also have a look at my own personal website that I had prior to joining the design firm. I still keep it up, uh, lightingprogrammer.com. I got lucky years ago to grab that URL. It's uh, essentially a uh, an online portfolio for me. And uh, you know the email there is still active. Matt does an amazing job. He'll talk to you. He'll help you all the way through to the end. You definitely want to reach out to him, find out how he can help you. Again, that's touch lx.com uh, or Matt's website, which is lightingprogrammer.com. I think they can email you as well at yep. mattm at touchlx.com. One of the best lighting guys I've ever worked with and interfaces well with churches and not all lighting people can do that. Matt, it's been awesome having you on today. Thank you for helping everyone upgrade their knowledge base when it comes to lighting. Hey, happy to do it. I appreciate you having me on. Well, that wraps things up for today's episode. I can't wait to talk to you on the next Tech Arts podcast. Until then, I'm David Leuschner signing off by wishing you a great day and praying God blesses every moment of your week. See you soon. You have been listening to the Tech Arts Podcast, presented by Digital Great Commission Ministries. DGCM is a 501c3 nonprofit that was started to help churches with all things technical. Whether you need help building a team, finding the right gear, or just a better understanding of the church tech world, DGCM is here for you. Find out more about our free on-site visits, reports, and consulting by going to audiovideolighting.com. Digital Great Commission Ministries will help you run your church service like a pro. Find out more at audiovideolighting.com. Oh,